0: Thanks again for joining us here today for our uh, message and for our time of worship. Uh, today we are wrapped up inside of our um, series at the movies. Uh, I know people have already enjoyed this. This is our only our third week right now. Uh, the first week uh, we did Father Stu. That was a really good one. Uh, last week Pastor Mark did the movie Dog with Channing Tatum, another wonderful one. But I gotta admit... Today on this 4th of July weekend, I got a beauty for you. That's why Some people even told me, I came to church today because you were doing this movie. Come on, come to church for a couple other reasons, but like I'm glad that you're here for this. Today, we together get to do Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it's a good one for, <laughs> this is an exciting one. Top Gun Maverick, I bet most of you have probably seen this movie, uh, the story of... Uh, Well, Pete uh, Mitchell, who is also known as Maverick, this is 36 years later from uh, the first Top Gun movie. Yeah, that makes you feel old today, doesn't it? (laughs) 36 years ago uh, is when that came out. Tom Cruise still looking good, still uh, doing a great job there. Uh, But uh, last week, I know Pastor Mark, I promised we weren't going to do it. He gave you that spoiler in the movie. Uh, I thought it was an okay one, though. He said in the movie Dog, that in the end of the movie, the dog doesn't die. I think that's very fair to be able to share with us. But I will tell you today, if you go back and watch the first Top Gun movie, I don't care how many times you watch it, Goose will still die. I'm super sorry. That's what ends up happening. But today, we fast forward like three decades, and this individual who is playing Maverick is somebody who is a, a test pilot. But he really gets blackballed because of his, uh, just his attitude and his characteristics and his, his practices. But he gets selected to be able to be this very special leader, uh, this maverick who gets to lead this force of individuals for these special pilots that fly these F-18 uh, Super Hornets. And so uh, he trains them up for a very, very Special mission, and I know you guys want to see it. You got mad at me the first week when I didn't show a video clip for Fathers Do. so I got one for you uh, this week. So let's check it out together. There you go. Here's your video clip. All right. So today, uh, let's engage these two together. Then remember, that's the purpose of the series: taking a, a modern-day movie, for the most part, and being able to engage it with our. Well, for today, the gospel text is what we're going to focus on, in hopes of allowing us to better recall and remember what the Lord is sharing with us. And so today, let's look at the very beginning, then, of that gospel text that Chris read for us, and it says this in the very beginning. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. You see in our gospel text for today, too, there is a critical mission. And this maverick that people think looks a little different, he talks different in the church, He acts different when he's around people who are sinners. Takes this elite group of individuals and he sends them out into the world. But first, before we even get to that, I want you to focus on those first couple of words. After this, Luke chapter 9 is filled with so much content. So much happens. In Luke chapter 9 alone, Jesus tells everybody that he is the Messiah Uh, He feeds the 5,000. You remember that miracle? He has the transfiguration that happens. Uh, He does two other miracles. He predicts his death twice. And then at the very end of chapter 9, he says there is a cost to being a disciple of Jesus. A cost. Remember that. So all of these things have happened. Jesus pulls together these individuals, and with this concept of a cost being on their mind, he is sending them out. So he sends out these 72, and he says, Two by two, you will be able to go, and from every town and place where I am about to be able to go. So this is a preparation mission. Jesus sends out all of these individuals, again, in this group. To be able to go out and to be able to prepare the way for him. Kind of like what John the Baptist did right when Jesus starts his earthly ministry. And this is important to remember because this is a practice that happens not only here, but early on in the book of Acts too. In the early church, we see the disciples and just people like us going out two by two to be able to share about the word of the Lord. There's strength in numbers, right? You've heard that saying before. That's something that's important. There is strength in numbers. And this is true not just within the church. It's it's a true practice within our world. Do you know that if you have a workout partner, uh, a wingman or a wingwoman, if you will, to be able to work out with you, that you will get 200% more results if you do it together with a partner? This is completely proven. That if you do something working out with a partner, 200% percent. Uh, maybe some of us here are looking to be able to lose a, a little weight. Do you know if a couple together, a wing man or wing woman together decide that they are going to lose weight together? They are three times more likely to be able to lose weight uh, than anybody just doing that on their own. Think about that, three times more likely. Guys, don't be looking at your wives. That's not nice. You can do it. Come on, you, that's, I saw somebody do it. I'm not gonna say who it was. Do it together. You gotta do it together. This is a great thing. Three times more likely. Do you know that in your marriage, in your marriage, if you share bank accounts and are truthful in your finances, you are so much less likely to get divorced. Uh, couples that share finances. And speak about finances together truthfully. Actually report having a higher level of joy in their marriage. Completely true. I will say these two here look way too joyful to be working on their finances together though. That's just too much joy together in a marriage. But all these things are, all these things are true. If we do them together, two by two, it's something that really helps us out. And So think about that today when we talk about being a disciple for God. Who are the people that we have around us, your spouse, your son or daughter, your mom or dad, your friend, that is on this mission with you to be able to share who Jesus is? That word discipline and that word disciple come from the exact same root word and this is the goal of our text for you and i to hear today that we are to be engaged in this role of discipleship to be these disciplined disciples and we do this together the people around you they're ready to be able to go with you to be able to share this word in our communities let's get back to our text so jesus told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few uh I imagine Jesus maybe, maybe he's standing in front of a whole bunch of stalks of corn or a grain or a vineyard with a bunch of grapes and pointing to them and saying, "Look, everything's already been done. they've already planted all the seeds they, they turned up all the soil it's been watered it's grown it's already there. the harvest is is plentiful, but the workers are are few. When Jesus tells his disciples These words today, uh, there's about 200 million people in the world, would be the estimate. 200 million people, so uh, not even two-thirds of what we have in the United States alone. This year, you and I will most likely see our world hit 8 billion people around December. 8 billion people versus the 200 million that were on the earth during that time. If Jesus was telling his disciples then that the harvest is plentiful, today what do you think Jesus is telling us? Not that it's less than. I'm sure he's still telling us today that it's greater than potentially if we are counting the number of people and the souls here on this earth today. So what's the problem? What's the problem? The harvest is, is plentiful. What is the problem? Did you catch it? The workers are few. The workers are few. Just last week, I had somebody walk into my office, had a piece of paper printed out and handed it to me. He said, is this true? And it was from our church, from the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And it was an article on uh, how few pastors and DCEs and uh, other church workers, even teachers, are coming out of our institutions right now. And it's unfortunately true. Uh, Out of both of our seminaries combined right now, we have only about a hundred individuals that come out every single year, and not all of them even stay in the ministry. Uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But this isn't meant to just talk about pastors or DCEs or people who work in the church as their profession. It's here to talk about us, too. All of us and the role that we have within the church to be God's workers. He says, All the work has already been done. Jesus was already sent to this world. Jesus already died on a cross. Jesus already rose and came out of a tomb. Jesus already appeared to tons of others. And now that the harvest is plentiful, here you go, workers. It's time for you to be able to take this message. And so, what's the solution? How do we get to this? Jesus is always wonderful. And you know when he shares a a question or even points out a problem, he really does give us the solution. And so here's our solution today. He says, ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Ask. I don't know how you ask God for things, but I pray. That's how I ask God for things. That's how we are to communicate with him. He tells us that, not me telling you that. And so, are we doing that in our prayers? I would like all of you to start adding this into your prayers, whether it's once a week or or once a month, just as something you can pray for. A lot of times people say, what can I pray for? What are the items I can put on my prayer list? Put this on your prayer list. Ask that the Lord will send people into the harvest field. Ask that we will have more pastors and teachers and DCEs and you name it, and just more people within our church to be able to have this heart to be able to go out, and that people will be sent. And remember, when we pray this prayer, it's not only just for people who are doing this as their vocation. This is all of our vocation to be able to do. Because how are people going to hear if we don't tell them? Paul pushes this upon the church in the book of Romans. He says, How then can they call upon him, Jesus, whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? We all know the answer. People need to be able to hear this. They need to be able to receive this good news. We have it. God has given it to us. And it's both a responsibility and also a privilege that we have to be able to share with people. And so God says, you know that. I know, I know you do. All of us in here know that we are called to be disciples, to share with other people around us who the Lord is. And so what does Jesus tell us to do? One word. He says, go. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Remember, Jesus always tells the truth, too. Back at to the very beginning, when I said at the end of chapter 9, he says there's a cost to discipleship, there is. I'm not going to tell you people are always going to listen to you when you tell them about Jesus. I'm not going to tell you that people will always be receptive when you try to serve them. Sometimes they won't. They might be frustrated. They might be angry. What I will tell you is that Jesus explains to us that we are to go, that we are to share his word, and he will take care of the rest. What's the image you think of when you hear that word Go. I asked myself that this week, and I thought about a uh, stoplight. When I hear the word go, I think of that that green stoplight, just just ready to go. Have you ever been at a stoplight before, and you're just uh, waiting for it to, to turn green? And so maybe you're just texting real quick on your phone. Maybe you're just looking around at the people that are next to you, or... Maybe you're reading a billboard that's up there and all of a sudden from behind you, you hear that little, and you look up and you realize, oh, the light's green. You just just weren't paying attention. And somebody gives you that nice, hopefully, courtesy honk and then you you go along your way. Maybe you've been sitting on a stoplight before too. Same stoplight in your neighborhood, exact same stoplight, only this time uh, you're waiting for it to turn green and you have somewhere to go or you're waiting with something in anticipation. And so maybe you're uh, just staring at that light and hoping that your mind will meld with it and you're gonna turn it green. Maybe you're looking to the, to the left, at the green light on the left, waiting for it to turn yellow and red, so then your light is gonna turn, turn green. You're waiting with anticipation. As soon as that light turns green, you're off. When God says, go today, How do you think that he wants us to think about this and wants us to go? Does he want us to be distracted and just waiting? Or does he want us sitting with anticipation? So that when that time comes that we are able to share who he is and what he has done, we're ready. We're going. We're moving. Some of us might need that courtesy honk, but I promise today might be that day that God says, Get going. It's time to be able to go. Let's continue with our text. Uh, This is from the book of John. It happens before our text for today, but I love the way that Jesus puts this. He says, Don't you have uh, a saying? It's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look. The fields are ripe for the harvest. Maybe in our society we would say, uh, Why am I going to do today what I can put off tomorrow? Maybe in the church we would say, you know what, I can invite my neighbor to church uh, during maybe Christmas time. Maybe they would come during Christmas time. Or maybe I'll talk to them later on. I'm kind of busy today. I have other things that I got to do. But Jesus says, no, today is the day. Don't put those things off. Open up your eyes. Open up your eyes to all of these things opportunities and you will be able to see exactly what's happening those opportunities to be able to share Jesus and everything that we do don't put it off what if Christ comes back in 4 months what if Christ comes back in 4 weeks what if Christ comes back in 4 hours who would you want to be able to share the love of Jesus with you don't have to go pounding on their door You don't have to go yelling in their face. Can you do something to serve them? Can you write your neighbor a prayer or ask them if there's something you can pray for for them? Think about those things. Back to our text. At the very end, this is what happens. The 72 come back, and they're filled with joy, and they say to the Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Lord, you can't believe what I have done. I went out and I did so many good things. And look what the joy in their hearts comes from, what they have done. There's a lot of people in our world that get joy from what they have have done. But Jesus says, don't focus on that. He says, I have given you the authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You know, uh, first of all, I just have to repeat that first part so all of us in here hear that today. Directly from uh, the heart of Jesus to you, that he has given you all authority to overcome the power of the enemy. Sin, temptation, fear, anxiety, depression, you name it, even death and the devil himself. Nothing will harm you. But he says, don't rejoice, don't receive joy from the things that you do in this life. And we like to do that. I have such a great job or I have done such a good job. Look at me. Look how much I have saved or look at how much I have acquired. Look at how amazing I look today or how attractive I am. Look at all these things that I have done. God says, don't get joy from those things. Get joy from what the Lord has done. Look at all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for us. Look at how he has thrived here in this world. Look at the Lord's creation. Look how the Lord has sanctified you. Look how the Lord has redeemed you and focus on all of those things and receive your joy from that. It's a much better place to be able to rejoice in. You know, at the end of this mission, these disciples come back and Jesus gives them these words and this is important for us to be able to remember today because you can go and read the Bible over and over and over again, 36 years ago, today, 36 years from now, and I promise it always ends the same. Jesus does die, but he always rises again. Sorry for the spoiler alert. We have that great news. And so today with me, rejoice that God has gone on a mission, that maverick for our lives, and he has been successful. And because God was successful in putting his son on that cross, taking him off again and allowing him to rise. You have the greatest wingman that has ever existed in this world. And because of what he has done for you, your name is written in heaven. Rejoice with me today, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and we put into practice immediately that which your word has given to us. And Lord, you say, ask to be able to send more people out into your harvest fields. And so we ask of that, Lord. Uh, We ask that within our churches, uh, even within the uh, National Youth Gathering this week, that you will just continue to raise up uh, new leaders to be able to share of your great gospel message. And Lord, I pray for everybody watching online today, uh, for all of us, that are here in this room, that you will spark just a small piece of that attitude of being able to go out for you and to be able to share with all those that we come in contact with the wonderful news of your son's love. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen.